So one of the things that we have just done consistently over the years, and this is across the industry, is create a one-size-fits-all plan. And one size does not fit all. One size might fit 10% of the population. And so then what you have is maybe 90% of the population that it's not effective for. And that results in no one being happy. You could eat well, you could be in great shape, and you could, but if it's, it's more of an overall uh, look at your health and your quality of life and putting it all together, not just one aspect of, uh, of health. There are a lot of individuals out there that want and need to make changes. And they just need someone in their corner. They just need someone that will, two, two things, hold them accountable, okay, and then just be a, a, a support and, and a motivator. One of the things that we have found is that there is no cookie cutter approach to wellness. This is the Wellbeing Experts Podcast. You just heard from Director of Informatics, Dr. Katherine Bass, health coaches Dustin Graham and Brenda Gill, and Vice President of Health and Wellness Solutions, Mark McConnell at OnLife Health. We've sat down with them and other experts to discuss wellness trends for 2016, creating a culture of health and behavior change. In this episode, we're going to look back at all the insights the OnLife Health professionals shared on changing attitudes towards wellness, data measurement, wearable devices, and the relationship between incentives and engagement. Of course, for all the full interviews and for more content like this, go to onlifehealth.com resources. Enjoy. But where I started, you know, I was probably about 250 pounds. I had high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high blood sugar. Doctor said at 21, I was at high risk for a premature heart attack. And, uh, and I was pre-diabetic. And he said, you know, you've got to change. You've got to drop some weight change your cholesterol, change all of this stuff, you know, come back and see me in a number of months. And if it's not changed, I'm putting you on all these different medicines. And uh, he said specifically, hey, these medicines will fry your liver, but, you know, it's better than staying this way. So I just decided, well, I'm just not going to go back to the doctor. That's probably my best course. Why go back when you know there's bad news? (laughs) Yeah, I'll just stay here. We're going to kick this off by revisiting our interview with Matt Abernathy, Regional Service Coordinator at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Matt had reached a point of his life when wellness had to become a priority. After the birth of his daughter, he began to seek more and more information on achieving a higher level of wellness. But I think there was a desire to be healthy, and that desire drives you to make choices. You know, I'm going to educate myself on diet. I'm going to educate myself on exercise. I'm going to educate myself on proper exercise, the proper amount of exercise I should get. You know, what's training in a, in a safe manner looks like, what a good diet looks like as far as not a, a, a crash diet, but what does a healthy diet look like? What is, how many calories should I be eating? And uh, how much sugar, how much carbs, you know, how, how, how much of this stuff should I be taking in every day? By getting involved with the corporate health program, Matt was able to get healthy in an environment that offered plenty of support, resources, a spirit of accountability with others in the office, and a team spirit that helped him achieve a higher level of wellness. Also, this season we talked with OnLife Health health and wellness consultant Haley Hines, who's worked with over 200 employers to implement a culture of health in the workplace. First, let's start off by just defining what is a culture of health? How do you look at that? What's that mean to you? Yeah, so I think it it can mean a lot of things depending on the organization, but from my perspective, what it means is that health is a consideration for 
pretty much all of the major business decisions that are made in an organization. So anything from the food that they order in meetings all the way to our uh, members given the opportunity to climb the stairs versus take the elevator, right? So it can be a multiple um, approach. And then it can also be giving people walk stations to work from or standing desks. So it can mean a lot of things, but I think the main the main um, objective from an organizational perspective is that the senior leadership has has buy-in for the promotion, health promotion, and everything trickles down from that. This could be a whole another conversation, but creating a culture of health within an already established and existing culture, you have their own patterns, their own norms. Right. Now, how do you bring in a change? How do you shift in something new? Yeah, so usually we start really small, right? You might say, we've created a new policy where we only allow healthy meals at lunches or meetings, right? So, for example, that same organization used to get these trays of lasagna and garlic bread and all these big, huge, heavy, carb-laden, fat-laden lunch meals. And people would be in a carb coma in the middle of the afternoon. So what they started to do is more healthy options, portion controlled, and people ended up loving it because they ate so much less and they felt so much better. So that was like one little initiative. The next thing they did was create a strategy or a policy for their vendors to not bring those big, huge tins of popcorn for holidays and chocolates and all the stuff. They asked either make a donation or bring us a fruit basket. So like even just little things like that that they were doing to, to start to shift the culture. They also provided free fruit. So instead of having bowls of candy on everyone's desk, right, that you can't say no to, they just brought in fresh fruit delivery every week and people ended up eating a ton more fruit. So it's just like little stuff like that as part of an overall strategy, right? So this is within their overall health management strategy to help kind of create and support those um, healthier habits. Wellbeing Experts is supported by OnLife Health. With 20 years of industry experience and over 10 million covered lives, OnLife knows how to drive the ongoing engagement needed to create real results. Find out why health plans and large employers nationwide trust OnLife Health as their comprehensive wellness provider. Visit onlifehealth.com to learn more. Now, back to the recap. Before the break, we looked back at initiating corporate health programs to help employees meet their health goals in the workplace. But getting everyone on board with programs like this can be more complex than simply offering opportunities to improve overall wellness. And that's where incentives come into play, especially as we discussed with scientific advisor, Dr. David Schlund is paying or incentivizing someone, is that really considered behavior change or is you have to go deeper than that? How, how does an employer approach that topic to help someone I've, make them decide they're going to change? I think that providing people with incentives, particularly to get them started on, on the process of behavior, behavior change, is really a, a legitimate strategy. Um, and again, we go back to the function of behaviors and what am I, what am I going to get out of this? So, for example, in thinking about motivation, people like think it's sort of a secret magic sub- substance that you have a certain amount of and somehow you've got to crank up the motivation. Really, motivation is thinking about what are the costs and benefits to me? How much effort is this going to be? How much money is this going to cost me? How much time is it going to take? And and very often people overestimate some of those 
those costs and giving them a little nudge saying, well, okay, so if you go through this, this module on uh, improving your eating habits and you get started and you do self-monitor for two weeks, we're going to give you whatever, whatever incentive. We'll give you a gym bag or a water bottle. Or That's interesting. All right. So, uh, so I yeah. do think incentives really are, can, can be a valuable part of it. But it, it, essentially what you have to do, though, is get that person to connect to the personal reasons why it's important to do this or do something different. Um, so these people had high normal blood pressure. Part of what, what they were they were motivated by was if I can modify my diet, it may actually keep me from getting hypertension and may prevent me from having to go on medication or may delay how long before I go on medica- medications. In order to build incentive programs, we learned that you need data, validated information verifying that individuals are making meaningful changes and that progress really is being made. In order to do that, Organizations promote wearable technologies such as fitness trackers and mobile apps to gather data on wellness activities, according to Director of Product Development, Abby Griffin. So with tracking devices and wearable devices, mobile apps, all of these, mm-hmm. all these things, you know, is, there, is there a right kind of data to be looking for to help make sure you're building that into an incentive program? Or does that vary from organization to organization? Do you have any insights on once you're gathering all this data, how you use that data. Sure. So um, with the, the data that we collect, I think that is probably one of the most important pieces or portions of the program that, that we do. So we have access to this wealth of information that we can use in creative ways to change people's lives. So incentives is the you know most common way we can use this data to reward healthy behavior. Um, it's also a way that we can um, help with sustained engagement. So it's initial engagement incentives is really um, there to help someone you know get started. But that that initial engagement is is something that I think the whole industry struggles with. So some of the things that we're starting to do specific to the uh, fitness wearables um, is we we have this wealth of fitness information. Um, and we know when people are actually using a, a fitness tracker that they've connected with our site, when they, they fall off and they stop using it, um, when they've kind of overachieved and done more than what we're seeing on their average. And we can now use that data to give them nudges or to prompt them and say, hey, nice job. Try doing 10,000 more steps next week Um, or, you know, small goals that we can use. We can also create individualized incentives that are threshold based so we can work with an employer and offer um, an incentive for 30 minutes of activity a day. to to really kind of hone in on the clinical guidelines that we're kind of um, anchored in. Throughout this season, we've talked with wellness professionals who are striving to transform lives through healthy living and help people see that establishing new patterns and small adjustments can lead to life-altering changes in the long run. Perhaps no one said it better than clinical manager Jerry Painter, whose wisdom we'll use to end this episode. I think the biggest misconception in behavior change is that it has to happen overnight. And time and time again, we say, no, you know, we want you to set long-term goals. We can certainly set short-term goals. And maybe that's instead of six cigarettes, I have five cigarettes. That's a change. That's a positive change. The long-term goal is we want you to quit smoking. Smoking doesn't do you any favors. And so um, the same with exercise, the same with eating right. Making the small steps is, is a great way to start. 
Thank you to all the guests, and thank you for listening to this whole recap episode. Wellbeing Experts is brought to you by On Life Health, a comprehensive wellness solutions company that has spent years working with health plans and large employers nationwide. Today's podcast, all the full interviews and additional perspectives from the Wellbeing Experts can be found at onlifehealth.com slash resources. We welcome your comments, questions, or feedback at engage at onlifehealth.com. Thanks.